Coming up on Golf Today, Rory McIlroy was in front of a microphone in Italy talking the state of pro golf, the Ryder Cup, and more. What else did the three-time FedEx Cup champ say? Stay tuned to find out. And the guy that clipped him at Wentworth, Shane Lowry, clears his calendar and hops on the show to talk about getting it done, the message he sent, the meaning of his win, and some other big-time questions surrounding the game. And a fellow Irishman, another great talker, Padraig Harrington, makes a visit fresh off a win in St. Louis, his third on PJ Tour champions since June. May the road rise to meet you on Golf Today. Today. Another edition of Golf Today. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week Magazine. We're about to be joined by the winner of the BMW PGA Championship. That, of course, Shane Lowry. I've always found him to be a great conversationalist. I've interviewed him a couple of times throughout his professional career. I, I like the chap. I enjoy chatting with him. It's always very entertaining, Shane. And he has this image of, you know, the affable Irishman, which is all true, but people underestimate just how much of a competitive killer instinct oh. there is in Shane Lowry. You saw that all the way back when he won the Irish Open as an amateur. It's got to be 15 years ago. Now, it hasn't diminished any at all. I actually had a funny exchange with Shane at Brookline during the U.S. Open because I had, I thought the horse set up pretty well for Shane, and I told him that during a practice round when he had this exchange, and he pointed out that I told him the same at Southern Hills, and he finished tied 23rd there when I said I didn't hit the shots. Shane said, yeah, if you had, I wouldn't have finished tied 23rd. And I took that to be Shane's way of telling me that I don't have a future <laughs> as a mental game guru here, but clearly he doesn't need one. Yeah, how about just kind of the entirety of the person as well? You talked about that win as an amateur. He's got a major championship, and now he kind of backs it up with one of the biggest wins in professional golf. Kind of someone comfortable in his skin, husband, father, winner. Yeah, and he won the WGC as well, the yeah. Bridgestone Championship. So Shane Lowry, is a, he's a... You know, he's a big tournament player. He's finished top four yeah. in all four major championships there. He's finished third at the Masters this year as well. He's probably impatient, I'm guessing, or had been impatient mm. in this run-up to Wentworth since it had been three years since the win at Royal Port Rush. But he's got, he's got all the tools in the toolbox. I mean, he was so close at the Honda Classic until yeah. that torrential rain over the last couple of holes knocked everyone a little bit sideways there. Yeah, and I love his back-to-back hole-outs at the old course during the 150th. Open, but on Sunday it was all about Shane Lowry getting it done at Wentworth, notching his first win since that 2019 Open at Royal Portrush. Tell you what, took the title with a final round 65 to edge out his buddy Rory McIlroy by one. And did not hold back his thoughts after the victory. Winning is always an emotional experience. We can see that from your reaction. Were the circumstances this tournament was played in? Did they heighten those emotions? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I made no secrets as to how I feel about the whole thing at the start of the week, and um, I wanted to go out and win this tournament for myself, first and foremost, but I think for this tour and, you know, everyone that has stayed loyal to this tour and everyone that's done everything for this tour, I, I really feel like, uh, you know, this is, this is one for the good guys. And Shane Lowry joins us on this Wednesday. Congratulations. I know you wanted to win at Wentworth no matter what, but how motivating was it to see some live golfers on that board and to take them out? Um, yeah. I mean, would I say there was an extra motivating factor? Probably, but um, I think I was probably more worried about Rory and John Ram coming down the stretch on Sunday than anyone else, to be honest. You know, two of the best players in the world and... Uh, 
I was happy. I kind of felt like if I went out on Sunday, <clears throat> obviously a couple of people made an early charge on Sunday um, that I wanted to go out and get past. But I, I kind of thought if I uh, if I finished ahead of Rory, that I'd have a good chance to win the tournament. And, and that was the case. So, yeah, obviously I was very happy. How much more does it mean to you, Shane, winning, not just winning at Wentworth in the biggest tournament in Europe, but to see those two names behind you on the leaderboard, to know that when it mattered on a Sunday afternoon, you took out a Rory McIlroy and a John Ram, among others. Yeah, it's uh, it can only give you confidence going forward. Look, I've I've won uh, big tournaments in the past, and and this tournament for me is uh, it's it's so big. It's you know, it's kind of our equivalent of the Players Championship in, in Europe. It's it's you know, it's of that magnitude, and and uh, I was just over the moon to, to get over the line on Sunday I, I felt like um, I've been playing great golf all year I felt like I'd give myself a lot of great chances to win and I just hadn't won yet and um, I needed to stay patient didn't know if it was going to happen but uh, thankfully it did last Sunday Shane you said after the win that had you lost you might have started to have some doubts what is the challenge of protecting your confidence when you're playing well but this is a sport where everyone wins so infrequently yeah, I suppose you just have to kind of believe in yourself and trust yourself, trust your team, I suppose. Um, you know, we've all got big teams around us. Um, I've got a great team of people and uh, I have to have had the same people involved for quite a while. And um, you just have to trust what you're doing is the right thing. And I think uh, if I didn't get over the line on Sunday, it's kind of that's where it falls back on, on them to kind of say the right things to me and, and, you know, me to kind of get on with it and just get back out practicing to try and win the next tournament I play. But Thankfully, I don't have to worry about that. Obviously, I, I want to go out and I want to go play. I'm playing the Dunhill in a couple of weeks um, back over in Europe and I want to go out there and compete again uh, and try and get another win because, like, everyone knows us golfers, we're, we're all very uh, greedy when it comes to, to winning tournaments and, and doing well. So hopefully I can I can go over there in a couple of weeks and, and contend over there as well. Shane, I saw an interesting comment from you after the victory where you said you hadn't seen many players be, be damaged or hurt by being undercoached over the years, but you've seen a lot be hurt by being overcoached. What did you mean by that, and how does that fit with how you and, and your coach, Neil Manship, work? Yeah, look, I think, um, like I've had Neil, myself and Neil have worked together for 18 years now, um, and I feel like what we do is the right things for me. Um, and if I take a step back and I kind of look at the tour and look at uh, other players, obviously I wouldn't name names or anything, but I, I, I do feel like you know, changing coaches uh, very frequently is, you know, is is a, straight, a tough path for people to go down. Obviously, it does work for some people, but I what I mean is I definitely see people seeing a lot more people changing coaches and going the wrong way and not being able to get back from there than I have from you know seeing people kind of just sticking with their their, their same things that they've always done and and always made them play well and and just get on with it and keep grinding and. You know, at the end of the day, like you said, you win so infrequently on tour. It's it's just uh, it's hard to kind of keep your yourself um, in check at times, and it's hard not to kind of follow everyone else. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, one of those where myself and Neil are, are, you know, we're very good friends and we're a good team and we get on well. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a great road so far, and hopefully it continues. Uh, you know, for another 10, 20 years or whatever. Let's talk about that. You're 35 years of age, sweet spot of your career. You've won a major. You've won a WGC. Now the flagship event of the DP World Tour. Been on a Ryder Cup team. You know, kind of how do you assess where you are and what's possible in terms of maybe putting together a Hall of Fame type of career? 
Um, yeah, I've I suppose I never really think about it. I've never really thought I've never even thought of myself as a as a Hall of Famer, to be honest. Uh I just kinda go about my own business the way I do and hopefully I can knock off a few tournaments here and there and hopefully they're big ones. Look, my next kind of big goal would be obviously my next big goal is the Masters in in April. I think um a lot of things I do between now and April will be working towards that, I think. Um, and then kind of Ryder Cup next September is is a big one for me. I I started the you know I started well last week. Um, you know the first week of of counting points, so so that's good. And um, you know one step on my way to the team, and um, I just want to go out there and, and win that. I feel like I've I've done a lot of things in the game so far, and uh, I ho- I hope I've a, I've a lot more things to achieve as well. I feel like you know I'm 35. I've still got a good few years of good golf left, hopefully, and um, hopefully some good results as well. Speaking of that Ryder Cup, Shane, you were one of the few bright spots for Europe last year, and if you even seem to be kind of the emotional centre of the team that you were so invested in it. Rory said earlier in Rome today that he doesn't think live players should be part of the European Ryder Cup structure going forward. Is that something that you would agree with as well? Yeah, look, like I said it last week at Wentworth, and I said, you know, with all due respect to those guys over at Live that are European, that are European, um, I think for most of them, their Ryder Cup careers are behind them. So I, I don't think, um, you know, I think it's it's important now for us. I feel like it's an important time for the European Ryder Cup team and the European Tour to try and breed some young players and to try and get some young players into the team for for the next 10, 15 years and, and going forward. And um should they be involved? Probably not. Um, I, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear Rory saying that. Um, I, I don't think they will be, but that's up to that's up to the tour and that's up to Luke. Um, obviously, they're they're going to be playing at some events and making some points, so they can obviously make the team if 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 one of them goes out and wins the Masters or wins the you know some of the big tournaments next year. Obviously, they're going to be close to the team, so we we'll just have to we we'll just have to wait and see. I just hope I'm there and. I hope I'm standing there with that little gold trophy at the end of the week. You mentioned the players and breathing new life and getting some young guys on the team, but how about the loss of institutional knowledge, future captains, the, the Westwoods, the GMAX, the Polters, Keimers, Stenson, uh, Garcia. I mean, that's a lot of Ryder Cup knowledge that is potentially lost as well. Easier or, or difficult to replace that aspect of cohesion for a European Ryder Cup squad. Yeah, look, if you if you sit here and if we sit here um, in conversation trying to figure out who the next three or four Ryder Cup captains are going to be in Europe, you'd find it hard to pick them. So um, obviously we've we've lost that, or we potentially are going to lose that. Um, I I don't know what way it's going to go. Um, you know, maybe. I, I just don't know how it's going to go. Have we lost those guys? Probably we've lost those guys to live, and that's very disappointing. And, you know, it, it, it kind of makes me a little bit sad because I'm I'm very friendly with some of those guys or, you know, have been very friendly over the years, and, and I'd love to I'd love to be a player with, with them as captains, but I don't know if that's going to happen now. And, yeah, it's uh, it's up to us. It's up to, to like, say, you know, Rory and John Ram and Victor and myself and Tommy and... Terrell and the rest of the lads are at the top of the world rankings now to kind of bring the European Ryder Cup team from here now and going forward. And um, I do think we have a very the bones of a very good team. And um, we just we just I'd love to see a few of the younger lads kind of step up over the next twelve months and and make the team and put their their best foot forward. And 
I think if that's the case, I think we will have a very strong team in Rome. Shane, you've always enjoyed this public image as this kind of friendly, easygoing, affable Irishman. But given what we saw at the weekend in terms of your competitiveness and in the Ryder Cup last year as well, do you think people underestimate just how fiery your competitive edge is? Because you can run pretty hot when it comes to competition. Yeah, I'm... Uh... People that know me well would know me. I'm probably one of the most competitive people that they'll they'll meet. I uh, if if I'm playing anything, if I'm doing anything, I want to win. Um, I think that's why I I run a little bit hot on the course. Sometimes I I get so disappointed and so uh, so annoyed at myself when I'm not you know at the top kind of competing. But um, I think that's what that's what has me where I am. I think I get a lot of that from my dad and. My dad played sport at a decent level, and I feel like I get my competitive edge from him. And um, I just I love competing. That's what I love about about golf, and um, I love being in in the kind of under the gun. And I love I love the heat of the the moment when it comes to you know back nine on Sunday or first tee to Ryder Cup or anything like that. It's just it. I think that's what makes me tick. You mentioned your goals going forward: Augusta National, the Ryder Cup. As someone who plays the majority of his golf in the United States. Are you comfortable with the path that the PGA Tour is on in terms of what will be required of you as one of the top players committing to 20 events, for example? Because John Rahm seemed perplexed at that number 20 in Atlanta. Yeah, look, I, I think, uh, you know, as to be honest, I, I don't like sitting here calling myself as one of the top players, but as one of those players that was in, in that room at that meeting, I think it's, it's up to us to kind of stand up now and and uh, kind of put our best foot forward for the next next twelve months anyway, and and kind of do what we have to do to to make the PGA Tour stronger going forward. And um, you know, there is going to be some teething problems, I'm sure, over the next twelve months or two years. But um, I I I'm very confident in in the guys at the top and the leaders that they're doing the right things, and and that uh, you know, professional golf is going to be. Uh, is going to be you know stronger going forward. I think the their idea of having the best players playing against each other more often is is great, and I think we've all known that for a while. I think you know it's uh, it's almost too easy sometimes on the PGA Tour to avoid the the top players, and I've I've done that in the past. I play tournaments that I know it's going to be you know a bit of a weaker field on a course that I maybe prefer, and it's easier FedEx Cup points and uh, maybe making it. A little bit harder for to do that. I think it is better, and it, w it will create a better, you know, a better viewership. I, I think the one thing we need to realize is we're we're in the entertainment business, and we need to entertain the people watching. And I think uh, going forward, if that means us playing against each other more often, I think that's a good thing. Speaking of entertaining people, Shane, there was a video went viral at the weekend when Podrick tried to call you after his win yeah. on the Champions Tour. He admitted in the video that it was probably about three a.m. where you were. Where were you? Can you account for yourself at 3 a.m. on yeah, what was then I Monday was, morning? Uh, I had about three hours sleep under my belt at that stage. I was uh, I had a golf day on Monday morning. I was getting picked up at 6.45 uh, Monday morning. So I was in bed early, 12 o'clock. Well, uh, I had a few drinks. We would have a bit of a party in the, in the hotel we were staying in. And uh, I was actually one of the first people to go to bed, but I was wrecked and I was up early the next day. And... Uh, yeah, one of those, but um, we will. I have been, uh, you know, I do like to celebrate my victories, and I'm sure at some stage um, I will get my, my good friends around and we'll, we'll enjoy a celebration together. What does it feel like when he called you a lightweight in that video? This, you're being called a lightweight by a man who doesn't even drink. <laughs> That's pretty slanderous. Yeah, well, uh, 
he 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 only drink he does drink but only a couple of times a year but when when paddy drinks it's hard to get him home so uh <laughs> it's uh yeah we will um you know he's over there with you know on on the on the champions tour and he's doing very well and we do have a thing where the the player who has the best year pays for the christmas party so mm. um I'm sure we're going to be arguing for that, uh, even though I've probably made more than him this year. I've won once, he's won three times, so I'm going to allow him pick up the check this year. Shane, i got one more for you. 13 years ago, when Eamon mentioned it, you were a wee lad when you beat Robert Rock in that playoff to win the Irish Open as an amateur. What would the modern-day Shane Lowry tell that kid who was just kind of embarking on his career, if any advice you could give that young man? Um, I think the big thing I would say to a younger Shane Lowry was to be to be more patient and to just allow it happen. But probably, look, I, I think early on in my career, I probably didn't work as hard as I, I needed to. And uh, I, I've definitely realized over the last few years, especially since moving to Florida here, I've definitely realized how hard the top players work and how hard you need to actually work to compete at the top level. So um, I think... You know, the big thing for me, I think moving to Florida has definitely helped my career and it's definitely probably one of the reasons where I've I've managed to play a very consistent golf over the last couple of years. Well, your patience and persistence have paid off. Congrats on the big win at Wentworth. We'll speak to you down the road. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Great having Shane Lowry on. And you've covered his career, Eamon. What do you think of where he is now? Six-time winner on the DP World Tour and, and the voice that he carries along with quite a big game. He really does. And, you know, he's back now in the top 20 in the official World Golf Ranking. The highest Shane has been ranked is 16, which I, I would argue is not necessarily a fair reflection of the game Shane Lowry has. And he's had some tough losses over the years. He had a four-stroke lead at Oakmont mm. 2016 U.S. Open, but he learned from that because he had a four-stroke lead when he got to Port Rush three years later. And that was probably the most pressure-packed round any golfer had played in, in recent memory. Shane yeah. Lowry was trying to win the Open on the island of Ireland for the held for the first time there since 1951 mm. and he closed it out he never looked at all shaky in the, in that final round in in pretty lousy conditions it was the perfect stage for any kind of intestinal fortitude to to fail you to yeah. a lack of belief to fail you and it didn't fail Shane Lowry then and i thought it what we saw from him at Whistling Straits last year i thought was one of those moments that kind of kick starts a guy's combustion engine again because he really was the emotional center of that team and they didn't have much to cheer but mm. what they had to cheer Shane Lowry was the one cheering it and in a lot of cases the one providing it and you just look at a guy like him as a potential kind of pillar to build mm. a Ryder Cup team around over the next three four Ryder Cups in Europe along with a Rory McIlroy a John Ram a, a Victor Hovland and, and a Matt Fitzpatrick mm -hmm. he is one of those guys who's going to add something to a Ryder Cup team. You talk about losing poster and losing that fieriness, you don't need it. You have Shane Lowry. I'm also struck with how well he performs on the biggest stages and the stages that mean the most to him. Winning your National Open as an amateur? I mean, that's one of the great wins, a, a great box to check, not to mention a major championship at Royal Portrush, and you're an Irishman? And, and to win a World Golf Championship? And he's loved Wentworth for more than a decade. And then he wins the flagship event of the DP World Tour. There's something about the big stage. Played very well at the old course as well. He just seems to have a knack for the toughest, most cherished events that he wants to win. And to hear him say that my eye is already on Augusta National 
with his short game and the big man with soft hands, I think he's going to be a very, very kind of important player to watch going into the first major championship of the year. And it's interesting to see how he openly talks about using the other Irish guys that he's friendly with mm -hmm. as motivation. We saw that in his comments with Rory McIlroy when they were hugging it out after the win at Wentworth at the weekend. And we hear him talking about that, you know, the competition over picking up the Christmas dinner yeah. check with Padre Carrington. He's using it as fuel the success of others, and that's driving him along. Yeah, he can hug it out and, and, you know, have a little fun with his boys, but he's also talking a little trash along the way to winning as well. Not a lot. Sharp elbows. <laughs> golf Today, brought to you by Wind Grips, the best grips in golf. And by Zexio, experience light, experience easy. Zexio, experience the difference. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Irish theme continues in golf today. We've heard from Shane. Now it's Bodrick Harrington's turn. Three-time major champion will join us to talk about his third win on the PGA Tour Champions and whatever else is on his always active, beautiful mind. And if you ask Nota Begay III what he dreamed of doing on his 50th birthday, spending time with us probably wasn't on that list. But as Sergio would say, too bad for him. Nota will be here to talk about his future plans and a pretty special gig he has next week, President's Cup. Golf Today continues. Golf Today. Welcome back into Golf Today. I'm Eamon Lynch alongside Damon Hack. And Damon, you got Irish overload today. Normally you're just stuck with one, but you're hearing from them all today. And I like it. I've been across several times. I always enjoy my times in Ireland and Northern Ireland. I tell you, Padraig Harrington, we're about to speak to him. I wonder if anybody's hit more golf balls in the history of mankind than Padraig. Maybe VJ? Maybe Gary Player? You? Well, not as well as Podrick, but I'm probably not far behind him in, in <laughs> searching. Podrick's found a lot more than I ever could searching, that's for sure. And he's still getting it done. By the way, on Sunday, the three-time major champ, Podrick Harrington, 
picked up his third victory on the PGA Tour Champions. Final round featured eight birdies as he closed with a 368 for a one-shot win over Y.E. Yang. And sometimes it takes players some time to kind of find their feet when they make that transition to the 15-over set. I mean, look at this. Last seven starts, three victories since June and in contention quite a bit. Now, earlier today, Shane Lowry was on the program and poked a little fun at his buddy. The video went viral at the weekend when Podrick tried to call you after his win yeah. on the Champions Tour. He admitted in the video that it was probably about 3 a.m. where you were. Where were you? Can you account for yourself at 3 a.m. on yeah, what was then Monday was, morning? Uh, I had about three hours sleep under my belt at that stage. I was, uh, I had a golf day on Monday morning. I was getting picked up at 6.45 uh, Monday morning, so I was in bed early, 12 o'clock. Well, uh, I had a few drinks. We would have we'd have a bit of a party in the in the hotel we were staying in, and uh, I was actually one of the first people to go to bed. But I was wrecked, and I was up early the next day. And uh, yeah, one of those. But um, we will. I have been. Uh, you know, I do like to celebrate my victories, and I'm sure at some stage um, I will get my my good friends around, and we'll we'll enjoy a celebration together. What does it feel like when he called you a lightweight in that video? This, you're being called a lightweight by a man who doesn't even drink. <laughs> That's pretty slanderous. Yeah, well, uh, uh, he, 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 he only drinks, he does drink, but only a couple of times a year. But when, when Paddy drinks, it's hard to get him home. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we will, um, you know, he's over there with, you know, on, on, the, on the Champions Tour and he's doing very well. And we do have a thing where the, the player who has the best year pays for the Christmas party. So mm. um, I'm sure we're going to be arguing for that, uh, even though I've probably made more than him this year. and won once, he's won three times. So I'm going to allow him pick up the check this year. Padraig Harrington joins us now. He's got a chance to de defend himself. Uh, Patty, great to see you. I imagine pretty cool to win on the same day as Shane. How would you describe your relationship with Mr. Lowry? It was cool. I got to see him win before I went out. I saw him play 18. Fantastic shot. So, yeah, that, that, that sort of buzz when you see a friend winning, it does help you. It does help you get on. And, and we are a little bit competitive with that uh, Christmas party, who has the best year. So uh, uh, there might be a bit of toing and froing at the end of the year, whether it's the best year financially or the best year winning. Uh, I, I have texted him that he needs a few more wins maybe uh, before the end of the year because I intend to have a couple more wins too. So, uh, We'll see how we get on, but both of us, we know we've had a good year, uh, and that's what it's all about. As I said, when you do have wins, you've got to go and enjoy them. Uh, you know, 20, 30, well, 20 years ago, I might have won. I might have sat in the hotel room on the Sunday night and be thinking about my golf swing for the next day, but you realise when you're long enough in this game, the wins don't happen anywhere near as often as you think. Uh, so you want to make sure you enjoy them when they do happen. I'm curious how your attitude to celebrating your, your wins has changed. Speaking of picking up drinks tabs, you did that in, in Sioux Falls in South Dakota at the weekend when you won Podrick with, with caddies. The Champions Tour tweeted out that picture, and you were also accused of being a pool shark with the caddies the same night. Do you <laughs> in celebrate and enjoy your victories more now than you would have at your peak? Or how has the attitude changed, really? I, it, my attitude's changed. I, cele I celebrate my tour a lot more now. That's actually, I, I, I have a bad neck, so I can't quite get down as low as I would like to on the pool table. But uh, I, would, I would have paid any good money for that reputation that I'm a, I'm a, a pool shark. Uh, so I, I think they bigged me up a little bit there. 
Uh, I think, look, you realise once you play a long time, it, it, well, even I would have been burnt out in the game in 2016, you know, just trying, trying, trying too hard. So the only way to rationalise it, and I love playing golf, but I had to make it more enjoyable for me out on tour. So I take every opportunity. I got invited to that caddies party last night. And, you know, back in the day, I might have gone, oh, I've got to go to the gym. I've got to go do this. I've got to eat early, whatever. Now I've begun, I'll change my plans. I'm going to go out and have a good time and enjoy myself uh, because that's the only way. And, and the Champions Tour is good that way. It is a bit more relaxed out here, so you can enjoy yourself. Uh, you're not under as much pressure. I found on the PJ Tour particularly, like, just the depth is so strong on the Tour. You're just grinding and working so hard. It's so tight. Uh, you know, you're from... You travel Monday from Tuesday morning onwards, you're putting in the time, the effort, and it just bears down on you. Uh, you know, and, and it's very, very tight in the PJ Tour. You, I, I've seen it where, you know, you could have a putt to go five under on Friday morning and, you know, you're in, you're inside the top ten, you're close to, you know, two shots off the lead. You miss that putt, you bogey the next, the next thing you're, you're one shot away from the cut line. Uh, you know, that's a lot of stress and pressure, whereas the Champions Tour is a bit more relaxed. And uh, certainly it's helping me find uh, a new new lease of life, uh, a better way of enjoying it. Uh, but I do like the reputations. You know, it's amazing when life, you know, they have a reputation for getting up early. I have that beautiful reputation for hitting golf balls. And I'm, I could pra- I, I mightn't hit a shot for the next five years and I'd still have a reputation as practicing. And uh, the, the other reputation on drinking is a very good one too, yeah. <laughs> you know, you... You can get away with a lot. Well, Padraig, that's what's so interesting to me is because a lot of guys turn 50, but not everyone makes the transition to PGA Tour champions and continues to win. You've done that three times since June. What have you learned about your game, if anything, during this run? Eh, Well, first and foremost, a lot of things have changed as regards to the Champions Tour in terms of players. I'd be the first sort of level of player now coming to the Champions Tour who would have had the uptick in money from 96 onwards. So I would have had a full-time physio with me. I would have had trainers with me. So all that sort of stuff means that I'm getting to 50 a lot physically fitter and ready to go than, than my predecessors who would, just wouldn't have had, you know, financially just wouldn't have had the, the facilities I would have had over the years. Uh, so you will see a change in the next, like I look at the guys following me and they're, they're pretty young guys, even though they're hitting 50, they're physically pretty young. So it, it's, it's definitely... We're more competitive at 50. As regards my own game, uh, I think I kind of explained it like this. If, if I play a PGA Tour event and say I finish 20th, uh, people will come up and say, well done, you had a good week. And you're, you know, you're probably six, seven shots off the lead at 20th. And you kind of go, well, how do I bridge that gap? Well, I better go to the range and work on my golf swing. Whereas if I play a Champions Tour event and I finish two shots back, I go home and I go, oh, how do I bridge that gap? Well, you know, I made a mistake mentally on that tee box. I, you know, I did that wrong. My short game, I just didn't chip and put that hole when I was under pressure. So you, you tend to focus on different things when you're at the top, at the top of the pool, let's say a big fish in a small pond. So I'm sharpening up my mental game, no end on the Champions Tour. Uh, and, and I did start putting better the last couple of years on tour, I will say. And I, I, that sort of stuff is coming to fruition now maybe on the Champions Tour and the one other thing during COVID I did a lot of Paddy's golf tips and uh, my caddy keeps reminding me so many times now says what would you have said to the amateurs what do you say to the amateurs every week in the Pro-Am what do you say 
you know, that's what you should be saying to yourself, you know, because I'd be, I'd be, especially in the pro-ams, I'd be giving out to the amateurs, telling them this is what you should be thinking about, this is what you should be doing. So, you know, from those Paddy's golf tips, I kind of have to take a, a sip of my own medicine and, and pay attention to what I tell other people uh, and do it myself. Look, I read a comment from you, Podrick, that the confidence that you've drawn from how you're playing on the PGA Tour Champions has given you the belief that you can still compete against guys on the regular tour. Do you plan to test that theory anytime soon? I'm going to play the Dunhill uh, in two weeks' time, which is one of my favourite events. It, it is my favourite event of the year. I've got to say, well, there's a gr other great events. It's one of my favourite events. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to put myself under too much pressure that I have to go out and play one event and see how I am. But I, I physically, I'm well capable. I hit the golf ball as well. I hit the ball better than I've ever hit it at the, uh, in my career. I hit it as far or further, actually further for sure. I strike it better. You know, it's the mental nerves, you know, when it comes down to it in the end of the day, you know, it's it, especially if you come out here in cha Champions Tour, everybody's really good out here in the Champions Tour, but we're all managing something in our game. The question, you know, will I be able to bring that to the main tour and, and, and manage that? You know, when there's there's obviously more more stress, you know, you can have a you know, you can have an eight footer, as I said, in a Friday and, and, and like you're putting it like it's the difference between you going home or, or, or winning the tournament. Whereas on a Champions Tour, you have an eight-footer for birdie and you're kind of going, well, I'm going to have another one in a few holes time or the next hole. So it's it, you, you tend to hold it more because you're, you, it's it's not life. It doesn't feel like it's life or death. It doesn't feel like it's... it's. You, I can take more body blows on the Champions Tour. On the main tour, I feel like I can win, but I also feel like in order to win... I have to be absolutely on the limit. I don't feel like I can take any bad breaks or any mistakes, uh, which inevitably leads to more mistakes. You talk about your, your reputation that you have as someone who's worked so hard on his game. I don't know who's hit more golf balls in the history of the world than you, Vijay Singh and Gary Player. Why does this game still speak to you after so many tournaments and so many practice rounds and all of the miles traveled? Yeah, well, as I said, I was burnt out uh, probably 2016. I was, you know, most careers last about 20 years. And I, I had hit a wall. I, I did some commentary. I, I, I did probably a bit of coaching. And I realized I actually really love golf. I like what's involved in golf in the, in the terms of playing tournaments, playing tournament rounds, competing. And I really like practicing. The idea of getting up in the morning and that I might find the secret. You know, like every shot I hit, when you go to the range, all your thoughts about what's going to happen in the future, your your the enthusiasm, the optimism is there. You know, if if you lose a tournament and you're sitting there on a Sunday night, you can be you can be depressed in your room. You can be like, I messed that up. But the minute you hit a practice shot, you're thinking forward. You're always going forward, and I love that. So what I've done in my golf is really I've, I've got rid of a lot of the superfluous stuff uh, that would have stressed you out. And, and concentrating the stuff that I like doing. And, uh, you know, I probably learned this more because I kind of, I went back and played a few European events uh, around 2016, 2015, 16, 17. Uh, and this was the run. I, I missed the FedEx Cup playoffs one year. And I went back to Europe. I played Prague, Prom Montana, Hamburg, Amsterdam, and London. Like, how could you not enjoy that trip? <laughs> like and, and this is this is and you know I know the golf was 
this the European players are, are screaming out for this. If we can go and play the, the big cities in Europe, the capital cities in Europe, it, it, it is the golf is great. You play golf and there's great golf courses, but when you're in the big cities, you're living a life. You know, it, it's not the same sometimes when you're, you know, if you're outside, you know, an hour from the city, you're outside, you know, it's all about the golf. At times you can go play events and, and that opened up a new, you know, I realized, hey, I can still enjoy this. And and I had some Irish friends out there on tour as well. So it just made it for more crack. And, uh, you know, when you're out there enjoying it, you realize, yeah, this is a life you want to keep keep having. Podrick, Shane Lowry seemed to be the guy who provided so much emotional energy last year when you were captaining the European Ryder Cup team at Whistling Straits. Now he's won the first event for qualifying for Rome a year from now. But we heard from Rory this morning saying that he doesn't necessarily think live guys ought to be part of the fixtures and fittings of that European team next year. Shane seemed to signal the same attitude. Do you have any prediction on what that landscape's going to look like a year from now? Yeah, yeah you know, I, I think I, I've talked a little bit about Liv, that I believe the majors are, are above everything and, and they should stay out of it. And, and whoever qualifies for the majors deserve to play in the majors. When it comes to the Ryder Cup, I, I don't have an answer. I really don't. It, it's very complicated. Uh, you know, is the Ryder Cup bigger than, than 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 tours and it's a separate entity or is it representative of the tours? Now, I grew up and the Ryder Cup was the European tour versus the PGA tour. We had a chip on our shoulder and it was our way of, you know, proving a point that we're every bit as good as the PGA tour. That's, you know, if you look at it on a European tour versus the PGA tour, it should be only the players who are... European player, European members should play. If you see it as something Europe versus the States, well, then it's a separate entity. I, I just, it's a very hard one to balance. Uh, and, and I don't necessarily, even though the trouble about it is the, is the decision now, obviously there's been a little bit of change in the guard in Europe, so it's not as big, it'd be a bigger deal in the PGA Tour, which I think they'll be pretty clear in their decision. Europe you know, it's not as big a deal for the moment, but it could be a massive deal in, in, in five, six years' time. You know, it's quite possible that a, a, the top European at that stage could be on live. Who knows? So, yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to deal with it. But to me, do you see it as Europe versus the States or do you see it as the European Tour versus the States? And, uh, you know, if, if live does become normalised, you know, maybe the biggest thing in golf in... 20 years' time is going to be, God forbid, and you don't want me to say this, but, you know, in 20 years' time, it might be Liv versus the PGA Tour as a Ryder Cup-style match, uh, which obviously would damage the Ryder Cup. But, you know, there's nothing like a little bit of niggle in a match in order to make it a, a, a something for people to watch, that's for sure. Well, there are a lot of unknowns, which makes this time so fascinating. We talked to Paul McGinley a couple weeks ago. He said he thinks that the DP World Tour, and he does sit on the board, but he thinks that the tour is in a strong position because of the Rolex series, because of the prize money higher than ever, because of some of the cities that you mentioned. Are you of a similar belief that the DP World Tour is in a good position going forward, despite some of the defections that we've seen to live? Yeah, I, I you know, I'd like to, it was it's hard to stomach that we're a feeder tour. You know, as I said, there was always that image with the Ryder Cup. We knew we weren't as good as the PGA Tour, but we didn't have to say it. We, you know, people would say it, and factually it was correct. But you know, we felt in Europe, no, we're every bit as good. Being a bit of a feeder tour, 
we got to stay ahead. We uh, we got to stay ahead of the corn ferry. That's in my head. We've got to be seen as the place to go. Uh, if you're not on the PGA Tour, European Tour is the place to go. And I will say, for any player in the world, if you want to learn about yourself and learn how to play golf, come play the European Tour. There's, you will you will be a better golfer for it. Uh, Brooks Kepka is a good example. You would be traveling to European cities. You'll, you'll learn a little bit about yourself. Uh, you'll learn how to live your life. Uh, but you know the golf is competitive. It's really good. You're playing different environments. You're playing against different styles of players. I, I see players in the States chasing the mini tours because it's easy to go down the road and, and play a mini tour event, whereas they'd learn a lot more and become a better player by coming to Europe. So if, if, if we in Europe can establish ourselves at least as the as the second choice tour, uh, you know, I, I, I can live with that. But if we if we fall behind, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's that would be disappointing. Sage advice for one of the best to ever do it. Padraig, thanks for the time. Congrats on three wins in seven starts. We'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Great to have Padraig with us on this Wednesday. Coming up next on Golf Today, a friend of the program, Nota Begay. Speaking of age 50 and above, he's the captain of the Team USA in the upcoming Junior President's Cup, and today's his birthday. We celebrate with Nota next. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Welcome back to Golf Today. The lengthy PGA Tour season off-season is over after 17 bleak days. The pros get to tee up in Napa, California this week in the Fortinet Championship, starting what will be the last wraparound season for the PGA Tour. Call it a wrap on the wraparound. 2024, the Tour shifts back to a calendar year schedule. There are multiple players teeing it up in Napa who will be part of next week's President's Cup team at Quail Hollow. And three of those guys, you see Corey Connors, Cam Davis and Hideki Masayama are all paired together this week in Napa. As we just mentioned, next week, Quail Hollow hosts the 2022 President's Cup featuring the U.S. international sides. But there's also a special competition taking place just before the pros tee it up. That's called the Junior President's Cup. It's a two-day team match play competition featuring 24 of the world's top junior boys 19 years old and younger you got 12 from the u.s 12 from around the world the event will be contested for the third time on monday september 19th tuesday september 20th at myers park country club in charlotte myers park was part of byron nelson's streak of 11 in a row so the team usa will be led by captain nota begay the third our buddy celebrating a 50th birthday today and this young man back in 2000 the travelers took the title i still remember the celebration this was pretty cool i mean look at this you think you can run that fast now no i do not it's like a hail irwin-esque <laughs> celebration that's what you do when you turn 50 as well should we break out some cake? Yeah, why not? That's right. a snack. I'm hungry. Happy birthday. Boy's got to eat in here. Buddy, it's great to see you. Happy birthday. How are you celebrating uh, the Big 5-0 today? I'm just visiting family. As you can tell, there's some nice quilt work behind me. I'm at my dad's house, and his wife, my stepmother, is quite a quilter. Uh, she submitted um, some of her work to the New Mexico State Fair and won a couple ribbons on in her own right. So uh, this is where she gets all the work done. 
hanging out with my dad, family on these days is uh, really important to me and really looking forward to the uh, U.S. Junior President's Cup um, and working with these young men. And now that I'm completely vested in the junior golf space through uh, the MB3 Junior Golf National Championship, it's kind of taken on a unique pursuit for me in the sense of uh, just really seeing what the top junior players in America, what they look like, how much work they put in, and um, just being able to get to know them and uh, try and guide them in some sort as I know all of them want to play on the PGA Tour soon. Nona, when you leave these kids behind with the President's Cup and, the, and then the foundation work, what do you want them to take away from the experience, whether it's in your foundation or at the, the Junior President's Cup next week? Yeah, whether, you know, if it's uh, foundation work, nonprofit related, or it's in competitive pursuits, I always really try and impart, impart upon uh, the, wor the work uh, that we do with these young um, adults is uh, just a sense of appreciation, always trying to be good stewards of their community, uh, appreciate all the things that, um, the opportunities that are presented to them. And even with some of the underserved kids uh, from poorer communities, there's always an ability to establish a uh, precedent for appreciation and just understanding that it could be worse. I mean, it's not great at times, but it could be worse. And with a lot of the top level um, golfers in the world, it's the same thing. Appreciate the opportunities that have been given to them through uh, their parents and the sacrifices that they have made to get them to a lot of these tournaments you know playing elite level golf especially in this day and age isn't cheap and uh, playing in the number of tournaments the travel and just all the the requisite expenses that go along with golf um, is a big undertaking that a lot of families um, are completely invested in both with their time and their money and i just always encourage them to you know take a minute say thanks um, and then put their best foot forward on the course it's not always about winning or losing, but it's how you pursue the sport, which I think is important. No, it's been fun to, to share some work trips with you, a couple of meals from time to time. And I've always been impressed with your, your kind of global outlook, uh, you know, outside the ropes. Why does this work speak to you in the way that it does? Well, I think it's just having a, a general appreciation for different approaches to the game, different cultures. You know, I heard Padre talk so eloquently in the previous segment about uh, the European tour. You know, I, in fact, spent a couple of seasons on the European tour, and it was a wonderful experience for me. It was vastly different than my experience on the PGA tour. I was already an established player on the PGA tour. I had won a few times, and then I went and just wanted to change the scenery. And so I went and played Europe for two years. And I've just always tried to take things with an open mind, um, you know, where people come from, how they play the game. Uh, you know, you look at my golf swing, it's a unique golf swing. And so I've always appreciated uh, the players that have approached things from a unique point of view and, and made it their own, the Jim Furyk's of the world and uh, myself. And um, I've just always tried to keep uh, the game and the traditions and, and maintain those traditions and, and uphold those traditions because I think that's really what sets our sport apart is uh, you know, there's an etiquette, there's a sportsmanship, there's a camaraderie that goes along with this game that really follows you for a lifetime. I mean, the three of us, hopefully, uh, will get out on the course someday because we can. You know, it's the type of sport where three players from three different backgrounds and three different skill sets can get on the golf course at the same time and all enjoy each other's company, but also enjoy the game in our own unique way. Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not getting on the golf course at this point. <laughs> now that you've turned 50, you know, and the birthday cake is wonderful, by the way. 
the oh, what's the plans for the Champions Tour? How's the body holding up? Are you going to play much out there? Well, I'm 50, Eamon, so the body's a little bit dodgy from day to day. Uh, but I, I'm so excited to, you know, PJ Tour Champions is um, just something that I wasn't really sure I wanted to, to do initially. But as I've gotten closer and closer, I did a media day with Jim and Tabitha Fuhrer because that'll be my debut on October 7th at the Fuhrer and Friends event in Jacksonville. And um, they just spoke so highly of it. And everybody that I've talked to out there, the Mike Weirs of the world and uh, some of my close friends over the years have really just said how much they really enjoy the experience and uh, the high level of competitive uh, that exists. Uh, players are still working hard. They're still putting up great scores. And if you go out there and you blink, uh, you're going to get bypassed by a whole lot of high quality golfers. Uh, it might be the 50 plus category, but you got to go deep in the red to, um, you know, take, take home some of those trophies. Tiger's not quite 50 yet, but he's, he continues to wield a strong voice. And, and maybe that's something new, Noda, because, you know, during the height of his power, wasn't always at least outwardly using his voice to the extent he is now. Any part of you surprised to see him fly up from Florida to Delaware to kind of lend his voice to this fight between traditional golf and live? I'm not surprised at all, and I'm extremely impressed just um, at how he's weighed in on the, the various subject matter related to live and just how he's really demonstrated <clears throat> his the PJ Tour and how truly vested he is in what the tour represents and what it, what it's given to him. I think one of the things, and sort of going back to my earlier comments about a sense of appreciation, you have a guy here, I think, who really demonstrates that sense of appreciation for what the tour has done for him and the platform that it gave him. Even though he was a big superstar, he was a can't-miss prospect, he did come out here knowing that he had to earn every single dollar and every single trophy that uh, sits on his mantle now. And um, and, and I, that's what I've always appreciated about him. It was so hard for him to continue to push himself when he had already established that there was nobody even close to being at his level when he was playing in his prime. But he still continued to work hard. He still continued to apply himself to his game and try and find ways to improve. And uh, now that he's sort of in the in the back half of his career, um, lending his his insight, his experience, his expertise uh, to these issues and getting involved in more of a whether you want to call it a, a political capacity, I think is a great fit for him because he does have the acumen to be able to speak on these matters. And he carries a lot of weight with other players and he can sort of, I think, pave the way in a different respect. He did it for us in the late 90s, early 2000s from an economic standpoint. And we're all benefiting now from an economic standpoint from Tiger Woods. And now he can pave another path for the next generation of players that will be playing on my Junior President's Cup team this coming week in terms of what the tour represents and how it's going to continue to serve. Well said, Noda. Good luck on Monday and Tuesday as captain of this Junior President's Cup team. We're having our cake and eating it, too. So, so happy 50th, buddy. We'll speak to you soon. We're still to come on golf today. Last season, Max Homa had reason to pop the champagne cork in wine country at the Fortinet Championship. We'll hear from our defending champion next and take a closer look at how he got the win. Back on golf today, last year, Max Homa kicked off the PJ Tour season in style, firing a final round 765. 
secure his third career victory on the PGA Tour. Homer made 108 feet of putts, by the way, in that final round to take the title. And Homer, in fact, was one of six winners from the fall to make it all the way to the Tour Championship in Atlanta. So it's a good way to start the season, as you see. And Max, earlier today, caught up with Kira K. Dixon. Describe what it was like getting that phone call knowing that you're going to be a captain's pick and a member of a president's cap team. It, it was pretty amazing. Uh, last year, uh, I got fairly close in the summer for the Ryder Cup, and I just remember that feeling of excitement and then kind of it was just such a bummer to not even be close at the end. And then this year, I felt like I knew I was going to get picked. Uh, you know, I felt like our team was was fairly clear for most of the season. and uh, But it was odd. Even when I got the call from Captain Love, it still felt felt pretty amazing. Um, I talk about it like getting to represent your country is amazing. It's an incredible opportunity. It's something I've watched a million times and I've always wanted to be a part of, but accomplishing your goal and something I really set out to do last season, uh, it just, it, I felt very, very fulfilled with that. And uh, yeah, getting that phone call, knowing I'm going to get to go do that with all the guys next week is going to be cool. Um, well, speaking of goals, you know, you've kind of gone from a player that's getting a win in a season to two wins in a season and making a President's Cup team. How do you continue to build off of the success and build your next set of goals? Yeah, uh, you know, I have a great team around me. Um, Mark, my coach, Mark Blackburn and Joe Griner, my caddy, we, you know, sat down at the or met kind of at the end of the season and just talked about what we're trying to do to get better. And the cool part is, you know, I had a great season last year, but, uh, you know, pretty far away from that number one in the world spot. And to be able to chase someone like Scotty, who's, you know, pretty far out in front of us, that's a, that's a fun kind of carrot on the treadmill. Uh, it keeps you waking up in the morning. It keeps you very excited and hungry. So I just got to build on the things I did last year. I think if I keep kind of doing what I did last season and just get like a micro bit better at each of them, I think I can start chipping away at that. But it's, it's exciting when you're playing well and you can kind of see – see like the the crazy goals you made when you're a kid feel like they're actually doable is exciting so I, I still feel very uh, refreshed and 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 ready to to make a run this season best of luck thanks for the time thank you time now to head on over to the cdw intelligence center and go beyond the scorecard using shot link statistics in a year ago max homa look at those strokes game numbers tee to green off the tee distance from the edge of the fairway putts made 10 to 15 feet, you got second, sixth, first, and first for the 31-year-old Cal Golden Bear, who's now a four-time winner on the PJ Tour, Eamon. And you've been watching kind of this evolution of this player. Yeah, that was a pretty good recipe for success in any given week on the PGA Tour. But if you go back to 2019, when Max Homa had his first PGA Tour victory at the Wells Fargo Championship, and compare his numbers in a couple of key categories to where they are now, his strokes gained around the green. He was 175th on tour then, and his putting, he was 100th. He's now respectively 57th and 27th, and that explains why his scoring average has gone from 117th to 23rd. And Damon, that also explains how you go from one PGA Tour victory mm. to four. Absolutely. He's also <clears> someone who, along the way with finding comfort on the PGA Tour, has talked about the gratitude that he has now and the pressure that he put on himself and, and how he's been able to look at the game in a different way. It just seems like the game is there as well as the mind. It also echoes to me what Padraig Harrington said earlier about actually finding some joy and some entertainment yeah. in this game. And Max Homa, both in terms of his personality and certainly his social media personality, still seems to have the appreciation and the enjoyment factor from being out there every week. Yeah, Homer, one of the big names out in Napa at the Fortinet. That was the CDW Intelligence 
Center, people who get it. Now still to come on Golf Today, PGA Tour University presented by Velocity Global is giving the best college players a chance to compete on the Corn Ferry Tour. The latest rankings are revealed next and we chat with an Alabama star who's making moves for the top spot. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Back on Golf Today, PGA Tour University, presented by Velocity Global, is giving the college game's best senior players a chance to compete on the PGA Tour. Now, following the conclusion of the NCAA Championships, the top 20 players in the PGA Tour University rankings presented by Velocity Global will be granted playing privileges across multiple PGA Tour platforms, including the top five securing full status on the Corn Ferry Tour. So let's take a look at the latest PGA Tour University Velocity Global ranking. So 20 through 11, looking for that you know, satellite tour, you know, PJ Tour Canada, for example, PJ Tour Latino America as well. Move on to the top 10. So 10 through 6, looking for that conditional Corn Ferry Tour status. There's a Ken Claycom, Alabama. You see number 10, Patrick Welch as well from Oklahoma now, 54321. That's full status. I'd be going for that full status, Eamon. Maybe that's just me. Well, that guy who's there at number nine, Cannon Claycomb, he's a senior on the Alabama men's golf team and owns one of the cooler names in this game. Four time Rolex Junior All American. He began his college career as an SEC All Freshman. We're pleased to be joined now by Cannon Claycomb. And Cannon, congratulations, Arn Order. You ran away from the field at the Rod Myers Invitational at Duke University over the weekend, winning by six shots. So the game must be in pretty good shape right now. Yeah, thanks for having me on. The game is in good shape right now. Um, very fun weekend last weekend and pleased to be on the show. Wasn't that long ago you were running around the old uh, Golf Channel studios in Orlando as an AJGA stud. What's it been like being a college stud at Bama? Yeah, um, you know, it's been a while since you in the studio. Um, but yeah, the AJGA days were great. Um, I did homeschool or virtual school for the last couple of years of my high school career. 
so I had a lot of flexibility, a lot of free time with practice, school. Um, I actually played a couple other sports in high school as well. So that was fun. But then, um, you know, getting to college, it's very structured. Wake up early in the mornings, work out, go to class, um, go to practice, you know, do rehab when we need to. Um, so I think the structure of college has been very beneficial to me and my game. Um, I've been able to kind of hit my stride in the past 12, 14 months, um, play a lot better golf. I think I've, you know, learned how to deal with the schedule, learn how to deal with late flights, early flights, you know, going to class, going to workouts. Um, so, yeah, it's been great. Um, love the college schedule and happy to keep playing this year. Cannon, you've won twice this year and you said you're hitting your stride now. Was that delayed in some way since your college career kind of overlapped the start of it with the, the outbreak of the pandemic as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I came into school in January, right before COVID, so early enrollee at Alabama. Um, played well in the first two events, and then we got back from Mexico, which was our second event, and, you know, the whole world shut down for about 12 months. So um, I think, you know, that time period for me, I honestly didn't play a ton of golf um, throughout COVID, um, kind of just fished and hung out a little bit, but I think, you know, now that we've been back and everything's kind of normalized a little bit more, I've, I've really started to get back into golf. And I, I really found a passion for golf again, you know, after COVID. Um, I started to love the game more and more again um, and wanted to just, you know, play really good golf. I made that my main focus. And so, um, yeah, I mean, now that we're kind of getting out of it, I'm, I'm playing really good golf. I feel, I feel like I'm, you know, hitting my strides and um, it's good to be back. <laughs> Yeah, that passion has converted into some big-time wins, six-shot wins, seven-shot wins. I read where you said sleeping on a six-shot lead is worse, harder than sleeping on a one-shot lead. What did you mean? Um, you know, just personally for me, the Water Sound Invitational, which is the one I had the six-shot lead at, um, you know, we were staying close to the course, um, and I had a six-shot lead, you know, throughout most of the second day. Um, I kind of I kind of spaced myself from the field after nine holes. So, you know, I had that large lead for a pretty long time. And once you have a six-shot lead, you know, not like a one-shot lead, you were supposed to win the golf tournament in my eyes, or at least that's kind of how I felt. And that was my first time really having a 36-hole lead in a college event too. So that was a new, you know, space for me. I'd won in junior golf, but in college golf, I mean, I talk about it all the time. These guys are so good so sleeping on a six shot lead it was like i'm expected to win if i don't you know i'm the guy that lost the six shot lead so it was kind of scary sleeping on it but um you know i had my assistant coach walking with me that day he helped a lot once i got through the first hole it was like business as usual yeah it was terrifying sleeping on this on the six shot lead at first Cannon, do you look upon the, the pga tour university rankings do you look at that as your clearest pathway into the professional game at some point? Or how much time do you spend paying attention to where you are on those rankings? I mean, absolutely. It's the clearest path um, in my eyes. You know, PGA Tour University giving us a chance to get starts on, you know, de developmental tours or Corn Ferry um, or the PGA Tour. It's definitely the clearest path in my eyes. Um, I would be lying if I said I didn't check the rankings, you know, weekly when they come out. But it's one of those things. It's like watching the leaderboard, you know, like I like to know where I'm at. I like to know what I need to do. So I like to look at the rankings. Um, some people might not, but yeah, I'm very, just very thankful that they came up with this program. I think it's very beneficial. And 
I think it's needed because, you know, other sports other than golf have a draft for top college players to go straight to the league. And I think this is a step in the right direction um, with PGA Tour U. Ken, I want to leave you with this. I understand you're an avid fisherman. I used to fish back in the day with my dad, my uncle, with you know, bluegill, trout, bass. You know, we use salmon eggs as, as bait. Give me a perfect day on the water for you. Uh, perfect day would be on the water before the sun comes up. Um, you know, glass water. Um, stay till noon, catch a boatload of fish, and then go home, have a nice lunch, and uh, maybe play 18 in the afternoon. But, yeah, that would be a perfect day for me. Sounds pretty good. I might have to join you on one of those outings, <laughs> at least for the fishing part. You wouldn't want to see my golf can. And congrats on all your accomplishments. <clears throat> Thanks for a few minutes. We'll speak to you down the road.